Well, good morning. Thank you for being here. Uh, I do want to say hello, a quick hello to anyone uh, joining us on Facebook Live. It's a little scary. I got to be careful what I say. You know, it's recorded for all of forever on Facebook land. Um, but I'm careful what I say every time I'm up here, so I think it's going to be no problem. I did almost trip getting up on the stage once, so that would have been a, a great uh, introduction to Facebook Live, but I saved myself. Uh, today, today we're diving into the 12th chapter of Corinthians. We've walked these last three months, can't believe it's been three months, with, this, with, with our congregation in, in, in lockstep with the church in Corinth. Um, and Paul has been consistent, unity, 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 drawing the church back together again, drawing the church into one body. And today in chapter 12, we're going, we're going to see this beautiful illustration of what it means to be unified, what it, what it really looks like to have unity in the church. Uh, today I'm not going to take time to read the whole chapter, but if you want to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, um, we're going to read starting in verse 1 through verse 11, and then I'm going to skip down uh, to verse 24. Um, so 1 through 11, and then skipping down uh, to verse 24. Would you stand out of reverence of the reading of God's word, if you're able, uh, as I read from 1 Corinthians? Brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. You know that when you were Gentiles, you were often misled by false gods that can't even speak. So what I want to make clear to you that no one says Jesus is cursed when speaking by God's Spirit. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are different ministries and the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God who produces all of them in everyone. A demonstration of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. A word of wisdom is given by the Spirit to one person. A word of knowledge to another according to the same Spirit. Faith to still another by the same Spirit. Gifts of healing to another in the one Spirit. Performance of miracles to another, prophecy to another, the ability to tell spirits apart to another, different kinds of tongues to another, and the interpretation of the tongues to another. All these things are produced by the one and same Spirit who gives what he wants to each person. And skipping down to verse 24. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts with less honor, so that there won't be division in the body. And so the parts might have mutual concern for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part gets the glory, all the parts celebrate with it. You are the body of Christ and parts of each other. In the church, God has appointed first apostles, Second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, the ability to help others, leadership skills, different kinds of tongues. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please have a seat. So this week I, I started a new adventure here uh, in Mountain Home, an adventure I had been on before, but um, one that's new for me here. Uh, I signed up to be a rec soccer coach. Yeah. Uh, so I've got a group of, of 10 to 12-year-old boys that, that call me Coach Trent. 
Um, and if you, you need me on Saturdays, I might be out at Legacy Park, you know, with the whole mass of people uh, who are coaching, coaching uh, soccer teams. But on a soccer team, uh, we just covered this. You, you have a role at a, on a soccer team, right? You have a role to play. You have a position to play. This is similar for lots of different sports. But, but in soccer, as I told my soccer team, you're not responsible for everything as a soccer player. You have your role. You have your position. You have uh, your emphasis. Uh, and for, for as long as I've been coaching rec soccer, um, I use the concept of, of bubbles. You have a bubble on the field where you're supposed to play, where you're supposed to protect, and you're supposed to do your role. Uh, and, and it really reminded me of, of what, what Paul gets to talk to his church uh, in Corinth about. Um, as, as we're moving into this section of 1 Corinthians that I think is a little more well-known. As you look at chapters 12 and you look at chapters 13, chapter 12 and chapter 13, uh, certainly chapter 13 gets a lot of attention. Okay, chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if you're familiar with that, with, familiar with that passage of scripture, uh, it's, like, it's like the golden child uh, of 1 Corinthians. It gets the attention, it gets quoted at weddings, it's all over the place, it gets cross-stitched on pillows. Um, chapter 12, I think similarly, uh, but probably not as much, gets, gets more attention than maybe the rest of rest of this letter. Here the discussion is, is gifts, spiritual gifts, and parts of the body of Christ. Um, the cool part about our journey, the cool part about studying a book this way, is that we get to see it in context to the rest of the letter that Paul wrote to the church here in Corinth. Um, we get to understand more about what, what Paul is talking about and how he got to this place in chapter 12. His main theme throughout the whole letter has been unity, drawing the people together. He started off with these factions. He started off with a group of people saying, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos. This was three months ago that we talked about this. Paul set off this letter with this one theme, unity. Factions early on, their reactions to happenings within the church come a little bit later, down to lay, or, or moving on to laying down their rights for the sake and for the benefit of one another. Paul's focus throughout has been unity. And so this church, to, to this church that, that has made some mistakes along the way, Paul breaks into to chapter 12 and talks about the gifts that the Spirit brings. In chapter 11, last week, we were talking about an open table. We talked about how the, the table that God sets and, and the place which is set aside for the worship of God, is an open table. And all are welcome. Um, and now as he breaks into the body of Christ and talks about the spiritual gifts, these two concepts are certainly connected. Open table flows into this, this argument or this, this realization that, that everyone is gifted. You know, you, you can have an open table and you can put somebody at that table and then think, well, at least I made a spot for him or her. At least he or she knows that he or she is welcome. But Paul says, that's not it. 
Uh, you haven't arrived with the open, open table. You haven't arrived if you just give them a seat. It flows into this argument how all are gifted. And Paul's going to offer this beautiful picture of how we do life together in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But it starts off with this weird introduction. Uh, if you take a look at the first three verses, some of you still have your, your devices pointed that. The, the first three verses are, are really kind of difficult. Scholars are divided on, on why Paul wrote it and, and what's, what's the meaning here. Um, certainly, <laughs> Paul has gotten really animated about several things as he's gone down through this letter. And as we read these first three verses, it seems like something Paul might get animated about again. What does he say? I want to make it clear to you that no one says Jesus is cursed when speaking by God's Spirit. Who would say that? (laughs) Why does he have to say this to the church in Corinth? I don't understand. And Paul got Paul's gotten really sarcastic in this letter. He's gotten really kind of plucky with some of the people in Corinth. And here he kind of just let it lets it go in passing. <laughs> don't don't say Jesus is cursed. That's not by God's spirit. But when speaking by God's spirit, uh, no one or no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Here the point seems to be, and and, and there's not <laughs> this isn't unanimous opinion, but but the the Spirit of God, the test the spirit of God is the exaltation of Jesus. That when God's spirit is involved, you will see Jesus glorified. And as he talks about this, this body gathering together, when he talks about how we do life when we're together, the test is the name of Jesus and whether the name of Jesus is exalted in the assembly. As he's about to embark on gifts, um, and, and not all of us, uh, not all of the church in Corinth is exalting Jesus' name. It's exalting Jesus' church, not edifying the church, not building others up. And Paul sets the record straight and says, if the Spirit of God is involved, the name of Jesus will be exalted. And it's true today. But sometimes I can use my gifts. And sometimes Trent gets the glory. Sometimes Trent receives the credit. It's important to me. I try to make it important to me to say, when when the work of the Spirit is acknowledged in my life, who gets the glory? That it goes to Jesus Christ. And I think that's the, the point that Paul's making early on as we talk about gifts. Sometimes you can you can understand that, that God's given you talents, that God has given you a gift. I think Paul's saying, folks, it's important that we give the glory to Jesus Christ, that Christ is the one exalted. As we break into to verse 4, he gets to the heart here of his message in, in uh, this 12th chapter, something that the 20th century church really kind of latched onto in talking about the spiritual gifts. Um, and, and it's probably it's been emphasized probably more in the last 100 years by the Christian church than any time before. Spiritual gifts, okay? 
And many of you have heard about spiritual gifts. Many of you uh, maybe have <laughs> read books. There have been tests. There have been spiritual gift inventories. There's been interviews and models and books and seminars, you know, coming soon to a church near you. Spiritual gift seminar, um, classes, you name it. And it really turned into a, a, a marketable and an important discussion, I think, for the Christian church uh, in the 20th century. Um, and, it, and, and don't get me wrong, it has helped a, a lot of people find ways to match uh, people with gifts and interests to work, to, with passions to needs in the, in the church community. And in our churches, it's been a good emphasis to identify that God has gifted each of us in certain ways. Isn't it so appropriate that it follows after the open table discussion? That when we set an open table, when we invite anyone who wants to walk through that door to be part of us and they sit down at the table of grace that God has laid out for us, that we don't say, well, check that one off. Got that done. We can move on. No, but Paul says the Spirit of God has gifted that person as well to serve the church, to become part of the body of Christ. For Paul, in his letter to the Corinthian church, finding something for that person to do Finding their gifts so we can give that person something to do wasn't his goal. He wasn't creating a new, a new recruiting tool to, to get churches help, to get people plugged in. He wasn't preparing a way to keep people involved at church. It has certainly helped. It has certainly done that, this discussion about spiritual gifts. But Paul wasn't, again, Paul wasn't writing a book of the Bible when he wrote this letter. <laughs> he didn't say, I'm going to sit down and write the Bible today. He said, my church is hurting. This church that I started is hurting. Um, and and he, wasn't, he wasn't preparing an exhaustive list of gifts. Um, some people really like to take the, these lists that Paul makes and really pick them apart. What, what does he mean? Why was this included? Why was this not included? What does this order mean? Why is this one listed first? Why is this one listed last? It's not what Paul was doing. He wasn't creating an exhaustive list of the gifts of the Spirit. What we learn about in the Corinthian church is that they had really become fixated and, and, and on a particular gift, kind of elevating that gift above all, all others. Which gift was this? This was the gift of speaking in tongues. And we're going we're gonna to learn more about this in, in chapter 14. We're going to get there. We're only on 12. Chapter 14, if you want to read ahead, is going to be an interesting sermon. Um, come in two weeks. It's kind of an advertisement there. Um, elevating that gift among the others. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes, sometimes we see that today. We see that in different ways. <laughs> when I was a youth pastor, uh, I, had a, I had a student who said, do you, do you want me to pray for you so that, so that you can receive the Holy Spirit? Um, and, and understanding the context, this other, this other student that was talking to my students had, had come from a Pentecostal background. And the gift of the Holy Spirit had for, for him had become this gift of speaking in tongues. 
and since my student hadn't spoken in tongues, he, he thought he'd, he was sincerely wanting to pray for her that she would receive the Holy Spirit so she could speak in tongues. She had the best response. She said, you know, I think I already have. I was so proud of her as she related this back to me. I, I think I have. Um, I know I have the Holy Spirit in my life. And the, the gifts are expressed differently uh, to different people. Before I came here, when I was a youth pastor, and then I had kind of become a, a worship and, and small groups pastor uh, in Washington where I served, I sometimes got the question, when are you going to become a real pastor? <laughs> I already was. I already was. And I think I understood the heart of it. I think they were joking, but at the, at the heart of it, sometimes we elevate one gift, one position over another. Even today, this person who serves on the church board or that person who, who leads a Bible study, another person who, who leads worship or sings on, the, sings on the praise team, sometimes we elevate one gift in the church above another. And that's what Paul is addressing. That's what Paul is talking about. The problem becomes this, this false elevation of certain gifts, this, this false um, uh, building up of, of one type of gift over another. Along with that, we have the false deflation of other gifts or, or, or of other other roles, other, other ways that people contribute. Paul's point is this. The church needs us all. The church needs us all. Just last chapter, Paul was scolding them for, for being just like the world in, 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 in mistreating the one who, who was labeled the have-not. By setting up, by, by matching the world and saying, we give great honor to this person who has this status or this dignity or, or something that sets them apart. And then ignoring those that don't. Paul has two priorities as he lifts his gifts. Diversity in the gifting and unity in the source. He has two priorities, that's, that's good enough to say again. Paul has two priorities in talking about spiritual gifts. Diversity in the gifting and unity in the source. God's spirit gifts each of us. I just want to read uh, verses four through seven again. You can follow along. Um, there are different spiritual gifts, but the same spirit. There are different ministries and the same Lord, there are different activities, but the same God who produces all of them in everyone. Do you see those themes? Do you hear? It's so plain. It's so apparent as you take a look that there is diversity in the gifting, but the source is consistent. We are all involved. And why? For the common good. For the common good. I don't have time this morning to, to unpack the gifts that Paul talks about here. Honestly, there are a ton of good resources out there that talk about spiritual gifts that have been produced in the last 60, 70 years. Um, but as we go through this letter, Paul is just offering some examples, some ideas 
And at the end of this list is where we find Paul mentioning this, this overinflated gift of speaking in tongues. And in, in chapter 14, we're going to, to get into that just a, in a little more depth. But for now, Paul's point is this. There is one spirit. The, the Holy Spirit is involved that, that when someone comes to Christ, when someone chooses to follow Christ in their life, the Spirit says, God wants to gift you as well. for the common good, for the sake of the church. And then Paul breaks into this word picture, this illustration about how, how it all works in the church. We're like a human body. We are like a human body. That's how God has put us together. Uh, without division, but with unique roles, without separation, but with unique ways in which we serve the church. I didn't, I didn't read this part. This is part of what I, I skipped over, but it, it says uh, the whole body can't be an eye. Where How would we hear? The whole body can't be an ear. How would we smell? Not how would, <laughs> how would we have the sense of smell? There we go. Um, <laughs> spontaneous joke there. Uh, we all can't be feet because how could we hold something? It just doesn't work. But our diversity and our uniqueness lend themselves to interdependence, to mutual concern, to serving for the common good. This is why we share prayer requests, friends. This is why it's good to pray for one another. This is why we love to receive those, those prayer cards so that on Tuesday morning as we gather with staff, every card that's dropped in that box is prayed for. And we remember those. We, we lift them up. That's why we sometimes share on, on our text message prayer chain ways that you can be praying. That's why it's good to share praises with one another as well. When God comes through, when, when the prayer is answered, it's good to share and it's good to celebrate with one another. When one part hurts, we hurt with it. When one part rejoices, another lifts up expressions of joy. We all lift up expressions of joy and praise as well. That's what it is. That is what it is to be the church together and our great privilege and hope. Today, that has even greater meaning. It connects us, little, little mountain home Nazarene, to a greater story happening all over town with the churches that, that celebrate Jesus' name, that lift high the name of Jesus Christ. We celebrate with their success. I'm not in competition with other churches. I'm not in competition with other churches that preach Jesus' name. I hope they have incredible ministry. We should celebrate with them. That's why we're collecting socks and underwear and we're going to go over to the Catholic Church and distribute those to families that say, we're in need. We're not in competition. We serve the same Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But we're connected to worldwide connections as well. The Church of the Nazarene goes all around the world in some I'm going to get this wrong, 180 world area. See, now it's, on, now it's on Facebook. And people know I didn't do my, I didn't look that up. We're in world areas all over the world serving people. But to say that we're just connected to Nazarenes worldwide leaves out 
tons of Christians. Christians all around the world, Roman Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, Baptists, Lutherans, everybody. When they hurt, we hurt. When God is doing good things, we rejoice. But I will submit that it connects us in a special way to one another. That as a local body of Christ, as a local church who come and gather each week, we are especially connected. The word says this, if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part gets the glory, all the parts celebrate with it. You are the body of Christ and parts of each other. We are community. We are in this together. Stories of pain, heartbreak, and illness move us and affect us and cause us to pray. Stories of shared memories, trips, and joy, and, and sharing life together is a part of what makes us the church together. I'm going to invite the praise team to come back up as we, as we close today. Um, this is a picture of the church, that we are the body of Christ. That not all of us are an eye or an ear or a foot or play guitar or sing songs. We don't all do that. But the word of God is clear that we have all been gifted that the same Spirit of God moves and gifts each of us in our own unique way. Why? So we can stand on stage and maybe someday you can preach too. Hold your, hold your head high. Say, I, I serve the Lord. Look at me. No. For one another. That's, that's the purpose of the gift for the person on your right and the person on your left for the person in the row in front of you the person in the row behind you that's why God gives us the gifts of the spirit that we might serve one another let me pray for us and then we'll sing God I pray today that Pray that we would each take time to listen to the Spirit. To listen to the Spirit to say, how have you uniquely gifted me? How, how am I taking that gift and serving the church, serving the body for the common good, like Paul talks about in this chapter? I ask that you would just be with us in that in that reflection and as we think about that as we um, ponder that and instruct us in those moments as well we pray instruct us and, and and move our hearts toward how we can serve the church how we can serve you we love you we love one another ask that you would help us to show and express that love in ways that honor you. In Christ's name I pray. Forever all my days, I will love you, God.
Is that your prayer? Amen. Would you stand today to receive the benediction? Um, Normally we extend our hands out toward the front of us to receive the benediction in light of today's text. I invite you to open up your hands and extend them sideways toward one another. And let's receive this benediction together as church family. Now we go out into the world, but we, rem- we remember we go connected. We go connected as a unique expression of the very body of Christ, for we together are Christ's body and parts of one another. May we live that way. Amen. Go in the love of Christ.